Welcome to Clippings, the official podcast of the Council for Nail Disorders, where Drs. April Schachtel and Catherine Stiff take a closer look at articles and clippings published on all things nail disease. Listeners can suggest articles for this podcast or topics of discussion by sending an email to kristen.cnd at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Clippings podcast, where we review the nail literature and present it to you. I'm April Schachtel, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Catherine Stiff. Hey, April. Happy to be here. We are excited to explore several papers with you today. The theme of my papers today is nail changes in the setting of COVID-19. Obviously, COVID-19 is an incredibly important part of our world right now and has been found to have a wide variety of impacts on different organ systems. We are still learning about all of the various cutaneous manifestations of COVID infection, and most of the buzz has been about pernio or quote-unquote COVID toes. Um, Other erythematous, fascicular, and urticarial rashes have also been reported. Now we are starting to accumulate a number of case reports of nail changes in the setting of COVID-19 infection, so I thought it was a good time to review several of those with you today. I do anticipate there are going to be a lot more uh, reports of these in the future as we learn more. So the first paper came from Dr. Neri and colleagues at the University of Bologna and was published in the Journal of European Academy of Dermatology and Venereology in June 2020. The title is The Red Half Moon Sign, A Novel Manifestation of Coronavirus Infection. They described the case of a 60-year-old previously healthy woman who presented with fever and cough and was diagnosed with SARS-CoV-2 infection, the virus that causes COVID. She was hospitalized and treated with hydroxychloroquine, lopinavir, ritonavir, ceftriaxone, and heparin with resolution of her respiratory symptoms. And then two weeks after her symptom onset, she developed a distally convex half-moon-shaped red band on each one of the fingernails um, surrounding the distal margin of the lunula. It persisted at one-month follow-up, and they have some images in the paper, uh, but it w- the bands were wider and the changes remained asymptomatic. Um, I really encourage you to look at the referenced paper showing these striking red bands distal to the lunula. Um, this was not a one-off finding, as later in August 2020, Dr. Mendez Flores and co-authors published in the International Journal of Dermatology an article titled, COVID-19 and Nail Manifestations, Be on the Lookout for the Red Half Moon Sign. In this paper, they report a 37-year-old woman who presented with cough and fever was diagnosed with COVID, and actually only two days after her symptoms began, she noticed changes in her nails characterized by a red-violet band just above the lunula, and there are photos included in this case report that look strikingly similar to the first case, suggesting it's more than just a coincidence in both cases. Um, In the second case, the changes lasted for about a week and then went back to normal, so compared to the first in which they were still there a month later. Um, No biopsy had been performed in either case, and the authors hypothesized that this phenomenon may be related to vascular inflammation similar to the perneo-like changes um, 
uh, seen in COVID generally. Bow lines have also been reported in the nails of patients with COVID. Um, doctors Alobida and Lamb published on a case of this in the Canadian Medical Association Journal in September 2020. Their patient was a 45-year-old man with bow lines in all fingernails and toenails three and a half months after symptomatic SARS-CoV-2 infection, not requiring hospitalization. Um, of course, bowlines are seen after you know significant illness, um, as well as from direct matrix involvement, such as in hand, foot, and mouth disease. Um, so it's unclear whether this, well, is a specific coronavirus infection or more relating to the stress of the illness itself. Perhaps they're one of them the same. In the same vein, onychomedesis has also been reported. Uh, Dr. Senturk and Ozdemir published in September 2020 in Dermatologic Therapy Journal, a case of a 47-year-old woman who developed onychomedesis of all fingernails and all toenails three months after COVID infection that required hospitalization. Photos in the case report are quite striking. And another nail finding reported after COVID infection is transverse orange lines. Antonella Tamaro and colleagues published a paper entitled Transverse Orange Nail Lesions Following SARS-CoV-2 Infection um, in December 2020 in the Dermatologic Therapy Journal. They describe a case of a 90-year-old woman who developed orange discoloration at the ends of all of her fingernails four months after COVID-19 infection. Um, the lesions persisted without change a month later, and the mechanism for these was unknown. They suspect, again, um, uh, vascular inflammation or injury, possibly complement-mediated as the possible explanation. And the interesting thing about this finding is that uh, very similar distal orange-red lines have been reported in children with Kawasaki disease, which also causes vascular inflammation and um, a similar disease process to the MIS um, inflammatory syndrome that has been seen in some kids with COVID infection. So ultimately, there seems to be some similar themes here, and I hope we find a cohesive explanation to all these nail changes um, at some point. Uh, the last case report I wanted to cover is perhaps also the coolest looking. Um, it's also in the Dermatologic Therapy Journal in December 2020. Melik Kairan and colleagues published an article entitled Fluorescence of Nails and Hair on Woods Lamp Examination in the COVID-19 Pandemic, Undefined Effect of Favipravir in Humans. So favipravir is a broad-spectrum antiviral, which is effective against RNA viruses, including influenza and Ebola. Um, it selectively inhibits the RNA-dependent RNA polymerase by acting as a guanine analog and leads to chain termination. Um, there are not double-blind randomized controlled trials on using it to treat SARS-CoV-2 infection, However, it is used to treat those patients in several countries, including Turkey, Russia, China, and India, and it's used at high doses. Um, it's not currently approved for use in the United States, so 
those of us from the U.S. may not be familiar with this medicine. Uh, cutaneous side effects have not been reported. Um, these authors reported, however, on an interesting novel phenomenon in which they noticed that the hair and nails of four patients who received favipravir showed fluorescence under Wood's lamp. Um, these patients, all of whom were healthcare workers, had received favipravir and acetaminophen for treatment of their COVID-19. Um, and the authors also included for comparison one patient who'd only received acetaminophen who didn't have similar findings. Um, the photos of the affected patients are really interesting, and they show this yellow-green fluorescence in the proximal nail plates of several of the um of the patients who received favipravir, um, as well as fluorescence in the hair. And it's not known whether the fluorescent substance is a drug metabolite of the favipravir or an ingredient like titanium dioxide or ferric oxide in the tablet itself. Um, it did not seem to have any uh, clinical impact, uh, but was a really interesting finding to see. And that's all for my case reports uh, of nail changes associated with COVID. All right. Uh, that fluorescence is interesting. I can't remember. Did they say why they were using the wood lamp on these patients to notice it? That is a really good question um, because... It, you know, was a new finding um, with the favipravir. Yeah, I don't they just said that it was observed. It. Yeah, I wonder why, like, they all of a sudden use the Woods lamp on those patients. It's not something we, you know, normally do in practice. Yeah, just a happy discovery, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's, it is some cool pictures in that article. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, those are interesting findings. I'm looking forward to seeing more about how COVID affects nails in the future. As you said earlier, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of publications coming out with COVID-related skin manifestations. Yeah. Okay, should I get started then? Sounds good. Okay. Um, so today I am going to dive into the current hot topic of artificial intelligence or AI. There have been tons of publications about AI in the dermatology literature over the past couple of years, mostly regarding detection of skin cancer. But today I'll be discussing an article by Han et al. looking at AI with onychomycosis. It is titled, Deep neural networks show an equivalent and often superior performance to dermatologists in onychomycosis diagnosis. Automatic construction of onychomycosis datasets by region-based convolutional deep neural network. Whew, that is a mouthful. <laughs> this <laughs> article was published in PLOS One in January 2018, which has an impact factor of 2.74. Unless you've read about AI, there will likely be some words you aren't familiar with in this article. I'll briefly review some vocabulary, but to get a better background, I highly recommend reading the review articles recently published in JAD, Deep Learning for Dermatologists, Parts 1 and 2. They were both very helpful. AI is broadly defined as the use of machines to imitate human behavior. 
The subtype of AI most extensively applied to dermatology is convolutional neural networks, or CNNs. CNNs are especially useful for image classification. Some popular CNNs include Microsoft ResNet and VGG, which are both used in this article, and have surpassed human performance on visual recognition challenges. There are numerous studies looking at the use of CNNs to detect melanoma and non-melanoma skin cancers, but the article I'll be discussing today is the first looking at the use of CNN to detect onychomycosis. In general, the biggest obstacle to training an algorithm is finding an adequate data set of images with which to train it. The authors chose to investigate onychomycosis because it is widely spread, has few racial differences in clinical presentation, each patient has many nail plates, so for one person with onychomycosis, there's up to 20 affected nail plates, and it is easy to unify nail photographs into a square. Images from four hospitals in Korea were used to construct the ASAN dataset, which consists of nearly 600,000 images. A CNN was used to filter for hand and foot images, then a region-based CNN was used to crop the nail photographs, and an additional fine image selector was used uh, was trained to exclude unfocused or incomplete photographs. As you can see, many previously trained neural networks were used to create this final image data set, which consisted of approximately 66,000 nail images. On photos that were not already tagged based on diagnosis from the medical record, three dermatologists tagged the clinical diagnosis to the image. After the dermatologist excluded inadequate images and images with uncertain diagnoses, they were left with approximately 49,600 images, which they called their A1 dataset. This dataset contained diagnoses of onychomycosis, nail dystrophy, onycholysis, melanonychia, normal nails, and others such as subungual hemorrhage, paronychia, ingrown nail. The authors confirmed 3,700 cases based on chart review and used these images to create an A2 dataset. They also used two independent datasets with cases confirmed by fungal culture and KOH test to compare the diagnosis of the CNN to that of 42 dermatologists. So to be clear, they were trained on these large uh, A1 and the smaller A2 dataset, and then uh, they were the other data sets were used to compare um, with the dermatologists, which would be like the test data set. Um, the output of two CNNs were used to decide on the final classification being onychomycosis or not onychomycosis. The CNNs performed better when they were trained with the larger A1 data set than the smaller chart review confirmed A2 data set which reinforces that large amounts of data lead to improved performance. For testing, the authors also trained the fine image selector using inadequate images with increased noise or brightness, and they found that the CNN's performance was significantly reduced. So basically on low quality images, the CNN does not perform as well. And this shows the importance of uh, having high quality photos for which to train the algorithm. And we all know those can be hard to come by especially in the age of telemedicine. We get the pictures people have taken at home and send us and it's a blurry mess and we 
can't see anything. Absolutely. (laughs) The CNN model surpassed the accuracy of almost all 42 dermatologists. For the combined model trained with the larger data set, the sensitivity of the CNN ranged from 83 to 96%. The authors calculated the UDEN index for the CNNs and dermatologists by taking the sensitivity plus specificity minus one, with zero being a test of no diagnostic value and one being a perfect test. The dermatologist mean UDEN index was 0.48 and the CNNs was 0.67 which is the upper limit for the 99% confidence interval of dermatologists. While the larger data set had better results, the CNN trained on the smaller data set of 3,700 images still yielded results with an accuracy comparable to that of dermatologists. So this suggests uh, we may not need giant databases to get favorable results. The authors concluded that their AI model was better than dermatologists at classifying clinical images as onychomycosis. However, this is not without its challenges. Photographs of dermatologic diseases are not standardized compared to like fundoscopic or radiographic images. There may be more than one lesion in a photograph. For example, normal nails may be included in photographs of nails with onychomycosis. And we don't want the algorithm to be trained on images containing numerous diagnoses. So this requires that a dermatologist extracts the image of interest before the computer trains on the data set, which requires a lot of time and effort. Now, these authors were able to use a region-based CNN to assist them with this step, but they still had to manually check the quality of the images. In addition, confirmatory testing is recommended before initiating systemic therapy in onychomycosis, and clinicians often examine the sole and other nails to aid in decision-making. AI could be potentially useful when a patient can't come to clinic or confirmatory diagnostic testing is not available. The authors actually created a website, nail.medicalphoto.org, where you can upload a photo of the nail and it tells you the percent likelihood of onychomycosis. In Nail Clinic, I'll continue to send clippings for PAS and culture to confirm diagnosis before initiating systemic treatment, but I am going to start using this website to assist in decision-making and kind of just for fun to see uh, what percent likelihood it says. that the nail, what percent likelihood of onychomycosis the uh, CNN comes up with. I think uh, we should embrace AI as a useful tool to assist in diagnosis of skin diseases and potentially increase access to medical care. So I'm looking forward to see seeing how it's incorporated into practice. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because obviously those tests, you know, you mentioned clipping for PAS and fungal culture. None of them are perfect, 100% sensitivity, and um, so doing multiple tests is helpful, and it will be interesting to see if this becomes the next, you know, one of those, okay, I did a a clipping for um, PAS, and I did the AI test, and, you know, those Mm -hmm. gave me my result. That'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. And I think it's it's also just fun to have another, um, like... Can it can confirm your thoughts during clinic, you know? All right, Catherine, thank you for joining me on this episode of Clippings. 
I want to thank our listeners for their attention. To all of our listeners, please share this podcast with your colleagues and trainees. Let us know how we're doing and which articles you'd like us to review on the show by contacting kristen.cnd at gmail.com. Thank you.